What's up, Gunners family? My name is Amanda Axelson, and today I'm joined by my co-host Anna Miller as we sit down with Macy Jo Harrison. Macy Jo is a former player and captain at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. She's the WPSL West Region Associate Commissioner and current Director of Operations here at ISC Gunners. Today, Macy tells us about her recruiting journey, how she transferred from Oregon State to UNLV, how she ended up coaching here in Washington State, and as always, she gives some advice on how to bring your A-game. Hi, Macy. Hello. Thanks for coming. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> looking right into your eyeballs. Macy, for the record, has already said that she's feels awkward. So we're going to do our best to make you not feel awkward. Or, Very or to make you feel uh, awkward. Like, or maybe we'll do the, the opposite. Thanks, guys. <laughs> okay, so starting all these off, the first thing I kind of want to go over is what was your life growing up like? Like, what, How did you first get into soccer? It's a good question. Um, to be honest, my parents had no idea what soccer even was when I was a kid. It wasn't a thing for them at all. So there was a rec team. I was about 11, and there was a rec team in my neighborhood that needed another player. And one of my friend's moms was coaching it. I think it was a sister, actually. Something what like neighborhood? Where, where was this? Where this is in California, outside of Napa, in a place called Lake Berryessa. So Capel Valley Elementary is where I went to elementary school. There was 80 kids in the whole school total. Um, and they formed a rec team out of it at that younger age, and I joined it for one season, and then it was, it just exploded from there. How old were you when you started? 11. 11. Yeah, I was 11. Which is pretty late for, yeah. I mean, now. Nowadays, at the now. time, like, I started Premier when I was, like, 10, 11, about yeah. that same age, but I knew what soccer was because yeah. my parents that, played. Yeah, my parents had no idea. Not a clue. <laughs> so, after that season... You said it was one year? Yeah, I think it was one season. It was a long time ago. But I think it was one season. And then from there, at a rec game, one of the premier coaches at Napa United, which used to be called something different, I can't even keep up anymore, um, came out to one of my games and recruited me into premier. And I went to premier tryouts, played one or two years for Napa United. And then from there, I did a 1v1 tournament in Mare Island, which is kind of toward in Vallejo area outside of Napa. And the Marin FC coach, Jason Werner, he was there, and he I won the 1v1 tournament, and then he pulled me into Marin FC. And then from the time I think I was 13 to the time I was 19, I played club soccer there. And this, I know because we've talked about this before, but was this a club that you had to drive like Yeah, like an hour and 45 California. minutes to. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I would go to high school soccer because at that time, at least in my high school years, at that time you didn't do one or the other. So I was in high school soccer. I'd finish that at like 4, go straight to club soccer, and I'd get home at like 11.30 at night, and then I had to leave at 6 a.m., 6.30 in the morning for school the next morning. I had a cool little book light that I did my homework in the truck with as my dad drove us. So I'm assuming you didn't get car sick. No, I didn't get car sick, no. Um, but, yeah, and then in between all that, there was the ODPs and When did you start stuff. ODP? The year I went to Marin FC, so I must have been 13, I think, and then – Made the state team my first year, regional camp and holdovers that year. Um, played the state team all the way through until I was I graduated out. And within that, went to national camp, U16 youth national camp in Texas. And then with that, I made the U16 youth national team and went to Holland for the trip with them. Nice. Oh, that's 
cool. Went, only went to one other national camp. It was the U23 national camp. I was 18. And then that trip was supposed to go to Canada, actually. Um, but in the middle of the camp, they said the trip was canceled. So we just kind of stayed at the camp and kept training. Hmm. And from there, that was my that was the end of the national programs. I went to Oregon State. Nice. So just out of curiosity, what was it about soccer that, like, it seems like you did it and then did you just instantly love it? Or was there something, like, was there a person or anything like that that really got you more engaged with it? Um, I would say I instantly loved it. But I also instantly had a knack for it. So I was gifted with my feet, I guess I would say. I was, I was, <laughs> I hate saying that because that makes me more uncomfortable. But I was left-footed, uh-huh. um, and I had good feet. I just picked everything up really well with my feet. That's the one thing I had going for me. I was super technical. I was tiny. I was 4'11 when I was a senior in high school. Oh, wow. 98 pounds. Tiny oh, little thing. Mm-hmm. Grew to, that senior year, I think I grew to 5'2" went to college and I grew to five five and three quarters from college to now late bloomer, late bloomer. <laughs> late bloomer. seriously <laughs> do you think that like were you practicing a ton like as soon as you figured out you loved it or was it just like oh I have a great first touch and I trained with boys oh, there you go. so I trained with a lot of boys in Napa um for those even when I had Marin FC training like I would go over but I would train with the boys as well in Napa and that was huge because I yeah. think that teaches you to be way more feisty and have grit and fight your way through but I trained every day like when I made the ODP team they gave us these juggle challenges and these technical activities and I was the one in the front yard mind you I lived on a street I didn't have a front yard it was just the street and it was downhill so I would do my juggle challenge every single day in the in the front yard every day and if I kicked the ball too hard I'd have to run 300 yards down the street to collect it <laughs> so you figured so, out real quick figured out real quick to, to, keep, to, that to keep that ball close exactly um, but I trained a lot Okay. I was the kid that was in the pouring rain, going on runs through the neighborhood up and down the hills, and my dad would follow me in the car to make sure I didn't get kidnapped or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. That's Dedication. Awesome. Mm-hmm. So, on your dad's part, too. Mm-hmm. So um, kind of moving on to college, you've had, you had an interesting college experience in college soccer, but uh, you started at Oregon State. So how I did. did. How did that how did the recruiting process go? I had no idea what I was doing in it. Um, and to be fair, I think at that time it wasn't a big thing that my club had offered. So there wasn't a lot of assistance. That's no fault to them. I don't think it was a huge thing then to really have like a college placement program like we do now. So basically, I just I started getting letters in the mail from colleges, from these tournaments I was going to, the Surf Cups and the ODP regional events and things like that. And You're aging yourself by saying letters in the mail. Right? No emails? Yeah, you know, they send you the questionnaires and the brochures. We'd love to talk to you and all that stuff. The packets. And yeah. Oh, yeah. I still have my college binder, actually. It's in my house. Thank God. Thank God I have it here, not in California. Yeah. So it would have burned up. Oh. But, um, yeah, it's, like, very, very, very large. I didn't know what to do. My mom did a lot of that for me, to be honest, at that point. We sat down, and she'd be like, okay, this is how you type an email. And she walked me through everything. Um, and it just they just came in. They just kept coming in. I didn't know. I was so overwhelmed. No idea. I didn't even know if I wanted to go to college at that point. But then it came down to, well, if I want to go to college, I need to get a full ride because my parents spent all their money on my youth soccer and sending me to all the different tournaments and events in Sweden twice and Denmark once and, you know, those types of things. So I narrowed it down my junior year to Oregon State and Stanford. Um, I had a full ride offer to both. However, Stanford flat out told me straight up, you will not play until at least your junior year, which 
I would have expected that type of school. Oregon State said I would come in and make an impact right away. So I chose Oregon State. Steve Fenna offered me the scholarship. I chose Oregon State, went with that, played there my freshman season. And in November of my freshman season, we had our one-on-one meetings with our coaches. And I had this gut feeling that he was going to take away my scholarship. Called my mom, told her on the way there, texted the assistant, told her could he sit in on my meeting, and he did. Took it away. So from there, I tried to transfer out, which was difficult because you're now in December uh, trying to transfer for the next fall. So mm, in order to transfer out of conference or in the same conference to another school, because I was looking at UCLA at that time, they were going to figure it out for me to get me there. So in order to transfer in conference, I had had to sit out a year or the coach could sign a release to allow me to play that next year in conference, and my coach refused to sign it. So at that moment, I made the decision I have to go to conference because I'm not going to lose a year of eligibility. So then Kat Mertz, who was heavily recruiting me before I chose Oregon State, heavily recruited me to go to UNLV. And then I went to UNLV. That first year at UNLV, I redshirted. To be honest, I tried to quit like six different times. Kat wouldn't let me, thank God. And then I finished my career at UNLV, and it was a great career. I loved it. Had a blast. That was my college. Experience. I didn't realize how um, I didn't realize you wanted to transfer in conference. I did, yeah. UCLA was the one school that was trying to figure it out for me to find me the money to go, because again at that time there's not much left, and he wouldn't sign the release. So by the time you transferred to UNLV, at what uh, period of time was that? So is UNLV a quarter or a semester? And then what was semester? Um, Oregon State was quarter. So that that's where it gets tricky. So I was. When I was at Oregon State, my major was exercise science with a minor in Spanish. That's what I wanted to do. I know. <laughs> we love a random combo. I love a random combo. <laughs> um, so I wanted to minor in Spanish, but then when I transferred to UNLV, all my credits transferred is like half because it went from quarter to semester. Mm-hmm. So then I had to play catch up. So I did many semesters of way over the full load and took many tests on the road, many, many tests with my coach proctoring them. Um, but yeah, I figured I had to drop my minor because I couldn't do it. I would have had to stay an extra like year. And then at the end of it, I took my redshirt year and I had two classes my senior year online. Nice. So, so I just chilled my senior, senior year. year. Yeah, <laughs> I just chilled. It was fun. So during that time, I mean, me having just come off of college soccer and doing school at the same time, like it is not easy. No. So I can't even imagine how difficult it would have been to double up your classes mm-hmm. and be at the level you're at. I mean, Division One soccer is no joke. Mm-hmm. And so, I mean, did you struggle in that? Or how did no. you find the balance? Um, I was always a straight-A student my whole life. I, I was the person that when I went into my athletic advisor and academic advisor for college, I told them what I was doing. I was like, these are the classes that I need to take. These are the ones I want to do. And I already had it mapped out for four years. And they're like, okay. And then... Very they, type A. Yeah, very type A, very organized. So I... Time managed very well, so I was able to do that very well. Classes I struggled in the most were biology. Oh, yeah. Oh, those were the worst. If I got a C, I was like, yes. <laughs> Thank God. Take it out of line. Yes. I don't even, oh, God, I don't even, I would not even venture towards biology in college. It doesn't sound like. No. I was going to try to be a doctor, you know. What and then I really? I wasn't sure. I was going to be probably a PA. You don't have all the liability, you know, that a doctor has. You're just the physician assistant. You're yeah. still like a doctor. Yeah. And then my senior year, one of the classes I was going to take was microbiology. Mm-hmm. And I was like, nope. Nope. <laughs> nope. 
Sorry. Not doing that. Make or break. <laughs> that, that broke it for me. I was like, yeah, no, this is not something I want to do not in the future. Not the career for me. Nope. Okay, uh, so then you're out of college and you uh, you continue to play and you're still going to continue to play. Who am I? <laughs> we still have our bet going, so. We do. Yeah, how'd you end up in Washington? Laura Harvey, the Seattle Rain coach, sent an email to me to come to the tryouts for the Seattle Rain. So I came up for the three-day tryout, um, and then from there she invited me back to training camp. So that would have been like a ten, seven to ten-day training camp. I don't really remember, but came back for the training camp, and then from there she asked me to be a training player on the Rain, and then play on the reserve team. So the second team for the Rain, and at that time the reserve team was ran through IC Gunners. It was called the Seattle Rain Reserves, and I said, well, I can't come up there and not get paid. Like, I need a job. can't just come up there and not make any money. So with that being through IC Gunners, Aaron Redwine was the coach, got me into contact with Neil Riddle, and Neil Riddle had me send in some videos of myself coaching and submit my resume and everything, and he offered me a part-time job here. So I came up, played on the reserve team, had a part-time job, trained with the rain for, I think, one more season, and then told Laura, I can't do this. Like, I have a full-time job now because then I ended up going full-time and it was just too much to manage. So then I am here at the Gunners full-time ever since and play on the women's team. What was it like training with the rain? Intense. It's scary, yeah. to be honest. Yeah. Well, I mean, at that time it was Megan Rapino, Hope Solo. Um, Cindy LaRue was out there at times and, you know, half the kid, half the women that are still in the NWSL. Yeah. And it was Al- scary. Alex Morgan was there for a while, wasn't she? Not when I was there. Okay. Not when I was there, but... The most memorable thing from the rain was playing a game called Donkey. And I play it with my teams to this day, and they are like, we're too good for this. A lot of my teams are like, this is for little kids. And I'm like, I played this with Hope Solo and Megan Rapino, and I have to remind them. But, yeah, it's like you jump on each other's backs. Laura Harvey started every session with this game called Donkey, and it was just a rondo, and she would say up, and you jump on someone's back and switch, and you have to run and find a new person. And being on Hope Solo or Megan Rapino's back, it was like, <laughs> shaking the whole time, you know. Never forget we were doing corner kicks, and I had to be the forward that stood in front of Hope Solo. And I was, like, looking back at her, like, oh, my God. You know, she's going to run me over. And she put her hand on my shoulder, and she was like, are you nervous? And I said, yeah. She started laughing, and she was like, don't worry. It's going to be fine. And I was like, <laughs> well, that's you know, good. Yeah, shaking. Um, it was fun. That was a great experience. I enjoyed it a did, lot. Did you ever score a goal in Hope? I sure did, and it's yeah. on video. Ah, there we go. <laughs> it's on video. You need to send us that. I should. I should. I should find it. We'll it's on I, YouTube. I should post it with this. The Rain had did this um, promo video, mm-hmm. and in that promo video, they were doing like a flying changes game, mm-hmm. and yeah, I scored on Hope Solo in that video. Nice. And a penalty shootout. Hey. There you go. <laughs> All right. Major bragging rights there. <laughs> So, how did you get involved? Because I know now you're the commissioner for the WPSL for the the West region. So, Mm -hmm. how did that all come about? Well, when the women's programs... I I was thrown into the women's program by Jimmy Ball back in 2014. So, I started running that program. And from there, there's like the game schedules you have to put together. And there were regional commissioners. And the regional commissioner at that time had to step away. So, Jerry Zanelli, who was the founder of the WPSL, he called me and asked me to do it. Probably just because I was very communicative. Communi- What's the word? Communicative. Yeah, that word. Yeah. And emails and stuff, I was always on top of that. So he called me and asked me to be, at that time, the regional commissioner, which was just for the Northwest Conference. So I did all the scheduling there. And then three or four years ago, they did a restructure with the WPSL when the new leadership came in and bought it out from Jerry. And they called me and asked me to be the commissioner of the West. 
So ever since then, I'm the commissioner of the West region, which is Canada, Washington, Oregon, California, Arizona, Colorado, Utah. So I oversee every conference, all of those teams. How many teams is that, do you know? Right oh, now, it's kind of it's wow. it's up in the air just because of COVID. Yeah. But it's usually thirty-five to forty teams, and under under that, you have the delegates who run the conferences themselves. So there's, I mean, it changes every year. Right now, we have three delegates in California South, one in the North, and so yeah, like ten or ten or so people. Nice. It's a it's fun. Yeah. I you like it. it. I do enjoy it. Ready With the new rule here, year. though, it's hard. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's good. I enjoy it. And that's a WPSL story. Nice. So when you went from being a player to realizing, okay, I I'm, this isn't necessarily going to work. I can, can keep training with the rain as a training player or I can focus on, like, a career. Mm-hmm. What made you decide, like, soccer, like, I'm going to be a, a coach? Honestly, I don't know that I ever really made the decision. I think it just happened. Like, coming up here to train with the rain and then – coaching it just I started coaching and I loved it and it I just never stopped I think the one thing that keeps me coaching is trying to keep teach the kids that I coach especially the female soccer players to be confident powerful women when they're older mm-hmm. that's one thing that I really value more than even teaching them soccer so life lessons that they learn through sport yeah so that's really important to me um yeah I guess I just wasn't really a decision I just never stopped doing it <laughs> just keep going so keep coaching this is kind of uh I mean because it happens to a lot of women in sport. Like, you you have to make that decision. Because let's say you had chose to ch- try and, you know, pursue a professional career. Like, there's no money. Mm-hmm. If you're not a Megan Rapino, if you're not a Hope Solo, there's no money. And so did you ever, I mean, were you bummed about that decision? Or was it something that was pretty easy for you to just kind of, phase your way into coaching well, when you put it that way I mean there was a time that I sat down with one of my good friends from Oregon State at that time Courtney Wetzel mm-hmm. and she had been playing pro and she played for the Portland Thorns for several years and you know got traded to the New York Flash and stuff and I had a conversation with her and I was telling her you know I'm thinking of trying to go to these training camps and get into a pro team or go over a season play and we had a conversation about how much I make now versus how much I would make playing pro and at that time the average joe soccer player in the women's league would make like fourteen thousand dollars a year a year to play professional soccer so at that moment i mean i was already making more than that coaching my teams so i was like yeah i can't do that i can't give all this up to go and play pro soccer for fourteen thousand dollars a year and then find a job in the off season to support myself or even during the season for goodness sake yeah so i guess in that that's when i decided not to play anymore at that level Mm -hmm. and more so focus on some sort of career which just so happened to be coaching and I know you say it wasn't a decision because it kind of just happened and where you were and where you fell but um I mean did you know you wanted to stay involved in soccer in any way I did I knew I wanted to be involved in it I didn't know if that was as a coach or a player or something different just being involved in it somehow um, I love coaching now like I wouldn't want to stop doing it for anything the hours are hard yeah, <laughs> very very hard. Um, seven days a week gets really really hard, but the kids are what drive me. I think seeing them grow as people and as players, that's what keeps me going. It's not the sideways rain and snow and hail. No, that's not that. Park. Luckily, I'm very prepared with my attire. <laughs> uh, can I just say, the first winter you were here, 
the first year we started, I just remember you were so cold <laughs> and you were so like, this place sucks like, <laughs> up at Central Park with literally like sideways rain. And I'm pretty sure the next year you came in like completely like decked out and ready oh, yeah. to go with giant puppies. And I mean, well, last night at the fields, it was what, 60 degrees and I had my puppy coat yeah, on. Like, that was nuts. My I neck was warmer, like, my puppy coat. I was working yeah, California not shorts. Last night. See, no, I had I two pairs of pants on last night. <laughs> like, that is no shorts. Not, you know how it works. I Under mean, armor, sweatshirt, jacket, and then my puppy coat. You came from Napa, right? Which is a warm. Napa's place. warm, yeah. Well, Lake Berryessa outside of Napa. Yeah. I mean, it gets like 110 degrees in Lake Berryessa where I grew up. That sounds awful. So, yeah. In the summertime, not... it's like 90 from degrees. From people that have grown up no, here. No, yeah. But I... there's a lake right there. Like, we would just go to the lake all the time. I was at the lake all the time, yeah. swimming and on boats and wakeboarding and all that stuff we never really talked about like your so your family so kind of to backtrack a bit how many siblings do you have i have two older sisters okay did they play any sports they did missy was a softball player could have gone to college for it but didn't wasn't interested so she stopped playing out of high school my other sister kayla she's the middle one she was a dancer very good dancer also could have gone and danced somewhere like UNLV Rebels has a great dance team. Mm-hmm. Um, she could have gone and done something like that, but wasn't interested in the whole college experience. Where do you think you get, like, because to me you're a very driven, competitive person. Mm-hmm. Where do you think you get that from? My mom. Yeah? Yeah. My mom is the older version of me, I think, <laughs> <laughs> in terms of drive and, yeah, passion and things to do really, 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 really well with them. Yeah. Where, does she, where do you think she gets that from? Is this my just grandpa. like a long line of... Long line of, yeah, my grandpa. Driven people. He was the kind of, you know, he started his own construction company, and he was like an engineer type guy. He built all kinds of patents and hydraulic engines and all these crazy oh, wow. things. And probably, yeah, my grandpa and my mom. Wow. Not to say that my, my dad and my sisters and them aren't driven, but my mom is definitely the most driven. Yeah. Your mom worked her way up from... She did. What does she do now? She is the COO of seven companies in California, all ran by her boss, Dr. Grigsby. Oh, wow. So she started as the receptionist and janitor. Really? Mm-hmm. How long did it take her to, to kind of climb that ladder? Oh, goodness. She's been there for, gosh, I want to say like 27 years now, but I think she became in that COO role probably 12, 15 years ago. Wow. So. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. I remember being in the office when she would be cleaning it at night, running around, like, playing with the markers <laughs> on the whiteboards, you know. I'll never forget it. Running around in there, like, playing with the chairs, and they had a workout room, and I'd, like, bounce the balls everywhere, and she'd just be cleaning the whole place. And now she's the COO of it. So. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we going to get another WPSL season out of you? So, just, forever, just so everyone knows, Macy, Joe, and I, what was it, two, three years ago? Was your two senior years night? ago? Oh, my senior night. Was it really? Yeah, it was your senior night. My senior night of college. I I had told Macy Joe and Aaron for the WPSL that I was going to play one last season, which was the summer before my last fall season of college soccer. Um, and then <laughs> they were like, no, you can't retire. You're so young. You know, all that. <laughs> and uh, I looked at Macy Joe because Macy Joe, you were going to be done. It was going to be – that was your – Last summer was going to be my last summer. This, the COVID summer, right? Yeah. yeah. And I looked at you and laughed and I said, ha ha, I'll play one more season. If you play one more season, you just looked me dead in the eye and said, deal. And it's on video somewhere. 
and there was a handshake involved in everything and there then was. that both of our last season was going to be the COVID year and then it got Canceled. So what I'm hearing is you are both playing next year. We still got one more season. It's the best. <laughs> I don't know, guys. I, you know, the past six years I played in the WPSL, I literally would not do anything for nine months and then jump out and train and get fit in the preseason that was two weeks as much as I could and play. And as soon as I hit 30, I feel like that's all gone down the drain, which means I would legitimately have to train like for a full year. Nah, at least a month. Before. Give it a month. Give yeah, it. Give it. I think give it like six to eight weeks, and you'd be good. Although to be fair, the last two seasons you did have many injuries. Yeah, that one <laughs> fractured my heel. You almost snapped your Achilles at one point. That's very true. Haley Crackle would have to rub out my calf and Achilles before every game, and there was a knot in it the size of a golf ball that she would have to rub oh my out. Gosh. And then one time you were trying to go and play, and we were in Spokane, and we had no subs. It was me and Chloe Lang on the bench, one of the halves. I tried that game because I yeah. couldn't play. I was so disappointed for the team. And we were, no it subs. was so hot. It was like 100-plus degrees on turf in Spokane, like not a good place to be. That's awful. And then... Uh, their athletic trainer like looked at Mason Joe and was like, "Yeah, this thing. If you go on and like take a burst step, like it's gonna be gone." And so she was gonna go on. She was like, "I mean, no, it's, for me, like, but it's like, what, what do I have to lose at this point? Like, <laughs> you're Achilles. That I could just get it repaired. Like, I understand. Crazy. For me, painful. an injury is it like okay, it's an injury. But the team looked at her and was like. We'd rather play a person down. Like we do not. That is so. I felt unnecessary. so bad. I cried. I was like, they have a now. They have eleven players, zero subs. I can't play. I have to sit here and watch. Oh, I felt terrible. Yeah, fractured my heel one <laughs> summer. Had the cleat oh, to the knee. Yeah. Oh god. Fourteen stitches. It's been great. It's been yeah, great. and so yeah, one more to go. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> okay, so as a coach, especially as a woman in the coaching world like those tend to be hard to come by and so why and because I'm sure that you have had other opportunities to go coach other places so what's kept you here at Gunners for the last eight years here with me <laughs> um that's a good question I think it would be the family feel and how everyone was in it for everyone um you you worked for everyone around you so you have a motto that you say, SPU, I think, that I have taken to heart because she would do it for me. So I think that was the model that we have had over here the past eight years where if I needed something, I knew that my staff would have my back. And if they needed something, they knew that the other staff, including myself, would have their back. And we all did it for each other. And just the relationships that you build mm-hmm. with the families and the kids and being able to walk on the fields with 20 teams and know someone on every single team, at least one person, if not all of them, is huge. I love that about the club. And we try to do the right things. Yeah. We develop players. And I think that's really, really important. If we weren't that way, I don't know that I'd still be here. Because that's something that I take pride in is developing players to be really good soccer players in the right ways. And we do that here. Mm-hmm. Now we have the GA and the EA. And we're going to rock it. I'm excited. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think a big part of the reason that I've stayed here is because we have women like you on staff that uh, you and Aaron obviously bringing in, you know, someone like Chelsea, Anna. I thought you were going to leave me out for a second. <laughs> <laughs> like, and even like women that we've had on staff before, like Cher, who, I mean, as sad as I was to see her leave, like she left because she wanted to go become a nurse, which 
she's making the world a better place in a totally, you know, better way, especially nowadays. Mm-hmm. But and I think she has the best stories. Yeah, <laughs> she does. <laughs> but I think a big part of why I've I've stayed and I've really enjoyed it here is is because of you and because of Aaron and Thank you, you know I'm just you know grateful that you're here and that we've we have a great working relationship and that you know we've been able to kind of help build this thing with you know other coaches who have been here for the last you know five six seven eight years um it's been, just been really really cool to see things grow mm-hmm. like we started off as r- truly truly underdogs mm-hmm. like nobody took us seriously and you know seeing the 99 girls win Surf Surf Cup. Cup a few years back was mm-hmm. huge seeing the number of kids that we've been able to get into college which has been one of my passions has, has been huge but I know that that none of that would have been possible without people like you um, they're mentoring those kids and you know both on the field and off mm-hmm. and I think that's been a huge part is like we can develop good soccer players but can we develop good people mm-hmm. and the kids that I've seen graduate out have I think been some of the most top-notch people that I know. Mm-hmm. Anna, you, you are, I think I would consider you a product of us, even if you didn't spend your last two years with us, but... No, I'm, I'm I agree. bummed. I, I am agree. bummed I, I missed out because I left, I want to say, either the year you you and Aaron started coaching? Me and Amanda. No. Aaron you came were, a year you, later. I definitely yeah. left the year you started because we had a conversation, yes. and I remember that. And then... That would have been the same year I started then. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. so... It was a it was a really difficult decision. I remember there were a lot of tears at tryouts, and Amanda, that was when Amanda came up to me, and we had a really great conversation at the time. But I do think I missed out. And when I think about my youth soccer career and the best memories I have, they're still from this club because, like, the the foundation of the club is that family feel. And so when I think about the teams that I've had, um, it. It was the teams where, you know, you had your team party and then you stay four hours extra and all the parents are having a great time and, mm-hmm. and you love your team. And I never had that at my other club. Um, and while, yes, we may have gone and played on in some cool tournaments and whatnot, like, um, I don't I don't remember them. The, the parts that I remember are um, are from this club, like, truly. Once and, a gunner, always a gunner. Yeah, right? I mean, <laughs> I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Macy Joe because... <laughs> Again, it was just a it was a passing comment that um, you know a, I never considered coaching um, until Macy Joe we had we had a conversation and you had said like would you consider pretty sure it was it was at the Joker it was at one hundred percent it was at the Joker wasn't it yeah and I. At the time, I was like, oh, there's many reasons why that was said. But then you followed up with me, like, weeks later, and and you kept pushing and pushing, and I finally <laughs> was like, I mean, I'll think about it. And here I am. <laughs> <laughs> I thought about it. Um, honestly, one of the best jobs, if not the best job I've ever had. I mean, it doesn't feel like work, so. Yeah. Yeah. That's exciting. And I truly... Uh, credit you for my job and being employed during a pandemic. (laughs) You're welcome. (laughs) Um, I just, I, and I I feel like, thank you. Um, But I also feel like this club, I mean, we have a lot of um, women on staff and there's 
other clubs isn't like that. And I feel like you played a big part in that as well. So the question that will come out of that is like, did you think about that ever? Like, oh, we need a club with like, cause you said, you know, you want to show your players, you know, and uh, be an example of what strong women in sports is like. So is that always a thought for you? Like 100%. I think having as much female coaches who are qualified for the positions to come in and coach is huge because I do think that girls soccer players need to connect on that level with the with the female coach. I think it's huge, especially when they're going through their puberty years. I mean, I'm pretty sure you're not going to find a female soccer player who walks up to a male coach and says, can I have a tampon? Yeah. Like, that's never going to happen where I have every, every tampon in my backpack and they just walk over and be like, oh, I have cramps. Can I have a tampon? I got to go. And I'm like, yeah. They, they would, might say, well, I'm going to go home instead. I don't feel good, coach. I'm yeah. going to go home. So I think that's a huge part of it, having that connection. But to your point, more importantly, being strong, powerful, independent young women. I mean, I've had multiple, I've almost quit this job multiple times over the past several years, but I didn't because I didn't want to let down and give that example to players. And the reasons why I almost quit was because of the way I was treated as a female coach from referees or other coaches. And I had a coach tell me, act like a lady and be quiet in front of my team. I had a referee two-hand push me in the chest in front of my team who still refs to this day. I had a referee tell me, I'm not going to listen to a little girl in front of my team. So they're all witnessing that happen and seeing that there still is I guess, what would you call that, sexism yeah, in this 100%. profession, right? And you just don't give up. You keep fighting. You have to keep fighting all the time. Does that get exhausting for you? Yes, it does. Yeah. But I've got like 10 gears, dude. Yeah. So I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> I do. I got all kinds of gears. <laughs> and I'm a fighter. Yeah. We you know are. that. You are. I speak my mind all the time. Very direct. To a fault sometimes. But I think honesty is super important, being direct with people. You can be direct and be kind, clear and kind. So. For sure. That's important. Well. And a good message. Yeah. I would, I don't know what I would do without you here, Mace. Oh. <laughs> well, thank you, Amanda. To be honest, everyone's going to start crying. Oh, I know. It's like a love fest right now. It's, it's but seriously, like, there's, there's still a lot of work to be done. Oh, I, think, for sure. I think that's the, the message is, you know, we've we've done, I think, a really good job of, of building this thing to what it is here, at least at Gunners, and making an impact overall. Like, I know that we're known, like, our club is known as having a fantastic women's side. Like, the women on our staff are, like, other clubs. Like, I know people from, like, directors from other clubs who have said, like, how do you guys get such awesome women and at your club and I honestly I'm like I, I like I think part of it was we just got lucky when mm-hmm. you and I and Aaron started mm-hmm. and but strong women bring in strong women mm-hmm. you know and so I, I think oh, God, that's I been want huge. that on a poster in my room. <laughs> that's gonna be it's true though that's the next the next poster that I'll be making yeah. for our merch click the link below and buy our <laughs> And in our first year here, we had Erin Redwine here. Yeah. And she was coaching the women's team and coaching teams and then... Having a baby. Yeah, having literally, a, like, literally about to pop on the field coaching your teams. Yeah. Like, that was literally. super inspirational for yeah. me. Yeah. So, I agree with that. I think strong women do bring strong women. And now, look, we have Amanda, Erin, myself, Chelsea, Anna, mm-hmm. you know, 
five and, very and strong the number of women that have graduated out that are killing it in whatever field like at in college or graduating out like I just heard from a kid that I had on the 9818 team that graduated out that I freaking love her to death but I always worried about her I was like where are you gonna end up because she was just a goofball and she's working for this company that's doing like custom insoles now and oh so wow she literally just reached out it was Kaylee Floor Oh Do yeah, you remember her? Oh, she was a goofball, gosh. and I love. She was the funniest kid. I literally one of the favorite, like my most favorite kids I've ever coached because she's just so she was funny, hilarious as a little kid. Yes, because she used to play with my sister. Oh yes, yep, exactly. And she was a really good dancer as well. Yes, she was a phenomenal dancer, like incredible. She danced really competitively. Yeah. Her that's got to be. That's got to be something though that keeps you going too. Like wanting to stay in this profession and coaching is when those graduates two, three years later reach back out to you. Oh yeah. Right. Like I've got one Emily Geiger that yeah. I coached on the '98s or '97s, whatever it was. I don't remember. But she every time she's, I mean, she only goes to UW. But when she's in Issaquah, her and her dad are reaching out like, "Hey, can we go grab a drink or something?" Because yeah. she's. 21 now and I'm like oh my god you know <laughs> we're old <laughs> we are old but yeah like that keeps you going too I yeah. think because you've obviously made an impact on them in a positive way if they're reaching back out to you yeah Seeing several years successful. down the road yeah yeah I'm waiting for more like kids to like start getting married and stuff which is like that's scary oh my that's gosh scary. <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> looking at you Anna <laughs> like they're gonna start getting married and having kids and th- at that point I'm gonna be like yeah I'm I am officially very old. I realized I was officially very old the other day when I was TikToking. Yes, I TikTok. I'm not that old. The oh, girls make fun TikTok. of me all the time because I'm, I'm like, oh, I was on TikTok. And they're like, oh, hey, my gosh, TikTok. viral for that one we did. Oh, yeah. The dance video? Yeah, yeah. Oh, for sure. But I was on there, and it was like, if you were born before 1998, you're older than Google. <laughs> and that, like, really hit home for me. <laughs> I was like, oh, my gosh. I am old. That's scary. Yeah, that is really scary, actually. But when you think back on it, like, we didn't have Google when we were little kids. There we was were no outside. Google. I was outside playing soccer Sunrise or to sunset. or climbing trees. Yeah. Or, yeah, running through the hills where I grew up with yeah. BB guns. Yeah. Climbing trees, building forts. Yeah. Like, I literally. Was definitely not inside, you know, well, quarantine now changes things yeah, a bit. Yeah, really. But yeah. still, like, the amount of time I think kids spend indoors. I don't even think I had a TV when I was little until I was, like, seven. That had like actual TV on it, yeah. like you know, cable. It was like the Lion King like, on repeat. Or like dial up on my your favorite. computer. Yeah, dial up. <laughs> 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 cuts out your phone. AOL Messenger. <laughs> Before cell phones. Wow. Guys, Walkmans. Look at how far we've come. We just lost all the kids. Brother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they just clicked off. Yeah. After. <laughs> the parents though. The parents are like, we were late. <laughs> no, but yeah, it's crazy. Cool. It's cool. See, it's cool seeing seeing these kids be successful. Mm-hmm. Like especially the ones where I was worried about them. <laughs> <laughs> like oh good. Oh thank God you're successful. <laughs> also like that's what that's what club soccer and youth youth sports in general can do. Totally. Like it it can really change the trajectory of where somebody ends up. Um, and there are a lot of factors that can you know play into that. But one of them is like the role models that they meet that are coaching them in youth sports. I mean, if you think about it, we're the biggest influence on any one of our kids in our program mm-hmm. outside of their parents in their home. Totally. We really are the biggest Especially influence right now because people aren't going to a lot of places. Mm-hmm. So, you know, there's some ARU teachers and whatnot, but right now on Zoom, you know, you can only have so much of an impact. And so uh, we're lucky in that we get to be out on the fields. And um, 
you know. I'm so thankful we were able to make it work last summer and have our trainings yeah. on there. You know, yeah. COVID protocols all in place, but I don't know how many emails we've gotten from parents who said thank you so much for that. We, you know, that was the only time our kid got out of the house and had any sort of social, any sort of social interaction, was those hours at practice. Yeah. So it was so it made me not go crazy too. Yeah. There was one point where I was like, I'm going insane. Yeah. I'm literally going to lose it in a second. But being able to go to the fields and interact with the coaching staff and the players kept me alive. I think mm-hmm. insane. For I'm sure. still waiting you know? for. I'm a COVID coach. That's all I know. Right? <laughs> That's true. That's all I know. It's like Chelsea. She's only She only coached like 10 games before COVID hit in our club. Yeah. Oh my God. It's, it's crazy rough. It's crazy but one thing going back to what you'd said, like what's kept me here, I think one of the major things that kept me here, in addition to everything that I said, was not only the professional relationship that you had with the staff, each staff member, but the personal. Mm-hmm. Because... Every one of us at one time had a very close personal relationship, and we just knew the line. Mm-hmm. So we could all, with Neil and Jimmy and even all those guys, yeah. we could all go out and have a good time and have dinner and hang out together as friends, but we knew the line of respect. Totally. And when they became your boss or your leader and when they were your friend. Yeah. And the personal relationships, I think, were huge. Yeah. They are huge still. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the reasons why, I mean, for me personally, why this job is so fun. It's because, you know, we're at the fields and I can come up to you and be like, hey, you know, at training, should I do this or whatever? Um, not that you guys tell me a whole lot about goalkeeping. <laughs> no, but like coaching in general. But then, if you need you know, advice, you can, it's yeah. easy to yeah. come and ask and then, for or you know, help. Like, mm-hmm. if like, it's like, oh, like I've got, you know, I have to bring in a second team because somebody's sick and like I need a little bit more space. Mace, do you mind moving over? Mm-hmm. Totally it's never, fine. Yeah, yeah no, it's never an issue, and it's always been yeah, something that we've done a good job of mm-hmm. working on together and collaborating and helping each to other work out. for each other and help each other all the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then after training, I'm at your house. Yeah, <laughs> by the house or anyone wants to go down and have a beer, we all yeah. go down and have a beer. And yeah. I mean, pre-COVID, obviously. Yeah. But having those personal relationships and connecting as a staff is really important. It, like, makes work fun. Mm-hmm. And I, you know. I think we're the best club for that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. No. I think I think that those of us who have been here a little bit longer, too, that kind of know the history of it. And so it's it's good for us to bring in new coaches and, like, bring them in and kind of help them to understand, like, this is – you know, this is who we are, and just like we talked about this the other day, I think even on the staff call, is just like getting everyone to, to, to buy into the mission of, of the club is really, mm-hmm. really important. And, you know, I think over time we've had to change, like, a little bit of what not, – not necessarily our mission, because I think our mission has always been, like, providing a place for players to play at every level, mm-hmm. like, and at any age. Mm-hmm. Like, we want to be the, a club that can cater to everybody from rest to select to – yeah, to premiere, you know, some are like semi-pro, whatever. Over forties, over forty, the yeah, men's three over forties men's teams. Are, yeah, are, it's, you know, that's I think an important mission, but definitely like going from, I mean, the club, the premier side of the club started in what two thousand eight. I believe so. Yeah, two thousand eight. We, we, you and I came in two thousand thirteen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I mean. Over the course of whatever twelve to thirteen years, it looked like the amount of growth that we've had is 
is actually kind of unbelievable if, mm -hmm. if you think about it. And having to shift gears, like there's always going to be like growing pains, but we, every time that, that something like that's happened, we've always come out stronger in the end. I mean, our first graduating class was McKinley's class, wasn't it? Yeah, well, the 90s. So technically, that was like our first real class. Like we had 97s in before because I coached like the 97 girls, like the 96 girls were in. But like by the time they were seniors, it was more of like a a social thing. Mm -hmm. Whereas like our competitive teams, like the 98A, the 98 boys, that was like the first time we had kids going off to play college. Mm -hmm. And then the 99s came through, and obviously the girls' side was phenomenal. Mm -hmm. Like those, like watching some of those girls play so like play college soccer right now has been. What do you think the main so reason fun. is why that specific group was so phenomenal? Oh, the 99s. Because they stayed together. Yeah, Jimmy had them when they were eight years old. Like that's what Claudia, when we had Claudia on a couple of weeks ago, that's exactly pretty much what she said. Jimmy like, was a great coach. He was, yeah, he was but like, the team stayed together. Yeah, the whole it, time through. Yeah, exactly. Even people who left came back to the team. Yeah, and yeah. rejoined the team. Yeah, it says a lot. Like it says a lot about, um, like the success of that. I mean, when Claudia was on, she she spoke about loving being the underdog because that team you know no one broke that team like mm -hmm. no one could get could like break this get through the barrier that was that team and like break them down because like internally they knew that they could accomplish so much together and so they they won they won all the time mm -hmm. and they loved each other that team literally still gets together like the parents, they went the players. On a, awesome. They went on a trip to Hawaii for like at, like they're graduating. Like they all went on like a grad trip together. Yeah. Like That's all the so families cool. literally flew to Hawaii with like the. I think they didn't play Washington Cup their last year. I they would have been. Did, yeah. They won Washington Cup. They I won think, surf, five so they're times. like. Yeah. Oh, wait, they, did they win surf after that? No, it was before. Was it? So it was going into their senior year that they won. Okay. Because then they, they I think they would have been going for a sixth cha like Washington Cup championship, but they were like. Now let's go to Hawaii instead. <laughs> I was they, they privileged to be a part of that that surf cup win. I was on the sideline videoing, live streaming the penalty shootout. I was shootout. watching from home, and I and, was, like, freaking out. Yeah, it was insane. And remember, Brooke had, like, three saves. I remember exactly where I was because I was literally – I was down at my grandparents' house down on Lake Sammamish, and I was, like, giving updates to my family, like, play-by-plays. And I was like, Brooke, just save one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, hands in the air, I mean, like – freaking out by myself there was nobody tears else there everywhere that, that day as soon as oh. they won it was like tears of joy it was yeah. awesome it was I a think, great experience i think also something that's um that's really important with that team and that is um a value of the ga i spoke to leslie galmore in florida uh, when we were at the uh, ga showcase the other week and um that team even though they had a core group they weren't exclusive. They were very welcoming. If there was new talent coming in, they were like, absolutely come in, mm -hmm. open arms, whatever. And, you know, and that's important. Mm -hmm. um, and that's why they kept being successful. Because, yeah, every year there was a new player. And then the player left or whatever. But there was a core group and they were always welcoming and always kind. And that's the cool part about the GA. Because Leslie Galmore, I, I got to sit on, on an, like an advisory meeting with Gio. Um, and... She was like, we, we want the GA to not be exclusive. We want people that want to play in the GA to be able to play in the GA. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what's really exciting about the GA because I think, I mean, you see the 99s, how successful and how um, 
they stayed together for so long and it's a promising part about the GA I think mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you're not gonna scare people away yeah. no well at the end of the day I mean what I would hope for the way that things were structured at least when I was little when I was growing up is the best teams got into the best league like and you you proved it by how you play not by the the name on your chest yeah, and I think that's or where probably, you said geographically. Yeah, yeah. I think that's probably the most frustrating thing is like, like if you look at California, there's a club every freaking two miles. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, and and there's a reason that California has some of the best teams in the country. It's because they allow competition to happen. Well, you have to if you have a club two miles from you that's in the same league, you have to be better all around. Your mm-hmm. coaches have to be better. Your sessions have to be better. Everything because they could easily walk down the road yeah. to a new club. Yeah, you have so, to compete, and it pushes everyone to be better. Competition is healthy. Yeah, I do want to. This maybe I don't know how great your editing skills are, but <laughs> this might have good. to be edited back in. But I do want to know because I feel like California schools. So when you were looking to go to school, um, at least you know in the recruiting process, California schools tend to try and get California kids because well, I mean, a they only have the scholarship and in-state tuition, mm-hmm. and so. Did you ever look in California, or did you know you wanted to go out of California? I didn't really look, to be fair. I mean, just apart from Stanford and Palo Alto. um, At that point for me, it was which school can give me the best offer and that I'm going to fit in well at that I get to play my freshman year, which is not normal to play your freshman year. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Um, Especially Did did you play a lot your freshman year at Oregon State? I did. That was the thing that was frustrating. So at that time, it was the Pac-10, not the Pac-12. Mm-hmm. But when season came around, I started seven Pac-10 games and was in top seven for playing time mm-hmm. and had multiple assists. So why did they pull your scholarship? His, his excuse was that I didn't perform. And at that point, you could fight that mm-hmm. because he had at that point it was like you need to break team rules or do something of that sort, which I didn't do. Yeah, I thought that there were rules about pulling scholarship, so... I was surprised to hear that they well, could do that. Well, my mom wanted to fight it. She's like, let's fight it. And I was like, why? So I can stay to school where he doesn't want me here? Yeah. Like, what's the point in fighting? Like, okay, I'll stay here. I'll keep my scholarship, but not play ever. Yeah. You know? So, yeah. Transfer process is messy. Like, well, it used to be messy. I mean, even when I transferred, right? The coach of the school that you were, you know, quote, unquote, contracted at had a lot of say where you went. Um, and, I mean, like you said, you could – you could have transferred in conference had that coach let you. Mm-hmm. Um, he didn't recruit me. It was Steve Fenna who recruited me. I committed to Steve Fenna. And it's a... Then Steve called me a month before I was reporting and resigned. And then the new coach took over, who was the assistant. Mm-hmm. He took over and just didn't work out. The craziest thing is the gut feeling. Yeah. yeah. Like I literally called my mom before the meeting and said, he's going to take away my scholarship. And she was like, no, he's not. Stop being silly. You played. You played a ton. Mm-hmm. You were impactful, blah, 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 blah. And he did. Took it away. Trust your gut. <laughs> Trust your gut. That's what I learned from that experience. I had five head coaches and 15 assistants in college. That's crazy. Jeez. How did you handle that? Just play soccer. That's all I did. I mean, that's why my advice to the kids whenever I talk to them is don't go to a school based on the coach because yeah. you never know if they're going to be there in a year. Yeah. I, Steve Fennett was the one who recruited me who I was excited to play for. Then I had a another coach at Oregon State. Then I had Kat Mertz, Jen Klein, Michael Cole, and among them, all their staff that they bring in, three assistants. How, how did they, like, because 
having that much turnover is a it is weird like college coaches change relatively often but usually it's usually it's like you give them a full recruiting cycle which would be like three four or five years um or 26 in some cases yeah it was hard i think shout out to leslie Leslie. (laughs) what kept us together at unlv was the team was so close okay we were so close-knit did they change like team formations tactics things like that yeah yeah they did like that that seems like it would be f- frustrating I as a player. We went from 4-3-3 to a 4-4-2 to a 4-5-1 to just all these different types of, you know, formations and things and systems of play and I mean we were just all bought into it. Yeah. We wanted to play oh, soccer, we wanted to play for each other. I mean, I went to college with Cher at UNLV. Yeah. Right? So she picked me up from the airport. I stayed with her for preseason cuz my apartment wasn't ready. She picked me up from the airport and she was like, "Wait a minute, I know you." And I was like, "Yeah, I know you." Well, we realized at that moment that we actually met for the first time when we were 13 at our first regional camp. <laughs> and, oh yeah, That's so. Yeah, Coach Shale. <laughs> I think we were just close to it. There was a spring season. We didn't have a coach. What? Like, our, Assist- we, we had our volunteer Olympics? assistant. Oh, my gosh. Um, Jensen, and she stepped in and trained us through the spring season until we got a head coach going into the next fall. That definitely is that's probably unusual. Yeah, that that's plays a Definitely unusual. I don't I think, think that happens often. For yeah. you coaching now, that must have had a major impact. I mean, just like in terms of raw knowledge of like different systems of play. There's one coach I strive to be like every day, and it's Jen Klein. Jen Klein was my ultimate favorite coach. I appreciate every coach I had. They were all great coaches. <clears throat> Excuse me. But Kat Mertz was a huge impact on me. Um, she was hard on me, very hard on me. <laughs> but it was impactful kept me playing the game and then Jen Klein was just the perfect balance of when to be serious and when not to be passionate and I try to be like her every day she's my favorite coach I ever had shout out Jen Klein shout out Jen Klein let's go <laughs> well, there's uh, multiple more though obviously yeah. yeah she was the most impactful especially because apart from Kat Merch, she was the first female coach I ever had I like I had Kat that, and when Kat was the coach Jen was the assistant okay when I was at UNLV That's so huge. When Kat left, Jen took over the head coach job. She was the youngest female coach in Division One history wow. to take over a program. That's awesome. And she How was very was impactful. She? Gosh, I want to say she was 25, 26, wow. maybe. Wow, that's mm-hmm. crazy. Head coach of a D1 school. Yeah. Lord. Lord. <laughs> Lord. Have mercy. Um. <laughs> Jen Klein went on to win the USC National Championship. Mm-hmm. She coaches at Michigan now. Yeah. I still talk to her every now and then. See, I never I never had a woman as a coach. Really? Yeah. I, I don't think I, I don't think I ever did. I had we had an assistant, Shalise Spisa at SPU. Um, who was awesome. But I don't think I ever had even in ODP, even all my time growing up playing at Eastside, we never I don't even remember seeing very many women out there. I literally I think, never had like any coaches. One uh, female coach until I got to UW and the entire staff were women so That's I mean you awesome. have Leslie yeah. Gallimore Nikki Washington Amy um, Griffin Amy Griffin yeah. our athletic trainer Christina <laughs> Christina Ghetto who's just like literally one of the most incredible people I've ever met um, and then even our strength to our strength coach um, Gabby she was she's she's still there she's great she's I think hardcore but that's part of probably what molded why I think it's so important to have a female coach at some point when you're a female soccer player. 
because it's life changing. I think I had Dave Todd and Jason Werner and all these great coaches that were very impactful on me, but they just couldn't be as impactful mm-hmm. as the female coaches because I was a female and the female coach was a female, and there's mm-hmm. just that connection there. And it's like the visual of seeing them in that position, mm-hmm. You're like oh, knowing like oh, it is achievable. I can do, I can do that. Yeah, you know, yeah. I think that's huge. No, for sure. Yeah, and be successful at it. Mm-hmm. Literally, the only female coaches that I knew of growing I was up Washington was State. USC, yes, just, USC. Jess D. Bomba, or Baumgart, or I don't know what her last name is now, but mm-hmm. she was at, at the time, Washington Premiere, and she's at Crossfire now, and then Leslie and Amy, because they had been there forever, and then my senior year playing club, I had torn my ACL, but like partway through the season, our coach left, and they brought in Michelle French, who oh, wow. I, I had very few interactions with her, to be honest, because... I tore my ACL and I was I was gonna be done. I was never gonna make it back before we finished. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also co- ended up coaching Kirsty, my little sister, mm-hmm. for a while, and she was awesome. Mm-hmm. So even just seeing it's great, isn't it? Yeah. Well, even it's Nicole great. Van Dyke, she's the head coach at UW now, right? Mm-hmm. She was my ODP coach oh. in California. <laughs> she was trying to recruit me to University of California Bakersfield. She was the head coach there when I was getting recruited. She was trying to recruit me there. <laughs> And the weird thing about that is she was my ODP coach. Jason Werner was my club coach from the time I was 13 till I graduated out. They're married. Oh, that's super With funny. two kids. <laughs> They're both up here in Washington now. That's I think crazy. that's one of the coolest things, too, is seeing women be successful with, with kids. Yeah. Because it's hard. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, my God, Having literally. Having kids, I'm yeah. letting you know, it is not <laughs> no, easy. I don't know if I told you this. Um, literally, in Florida, Bree... Mm-hmm. Was, she was in Florida with um, her family, and Aaron and I go and watch the game, and we're, like, trying to look for Brie, and we're like, oh, my God, she's breastfeeding her kid on the bench. That's, That's awesome. Badass. That's awesome. <laughs> that is badass. Can you say and, that? We, and then she's like, <laughs> <laughs> sure, why not? You can edit it out. But you're right. It, it is you awesome. You it. Yeah. Um, but. They'll know what you said. Oh, I mean, I don't know. Like, that's so cool. I just feel like that is something had I seen like as a youth soccer player it just it opens a world of possibilities well even Brie when we had our last WPSL team and she was pregnant and she was like yeah my doctor said this is the last game I can play in and she she's on like, the field playing no but when she I was also like mm, like with this the bump was it. this game I, was when pushing I it. was watching because she hadn't told like many you could like, see people see her bump I was literally watching on like like a stream and I was like Brie looks like she's pregnant. <laughs> like, That's because she Brie was. Has, Brie has a bump right now. Shout and out like, to Brie oh Robord. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> she was like Brie, dodging. She was like, Brie Robord. Balls would kind of come hurt her, and she dodged, and she'd be like, look, I'm sorry. And we're like, no. Like, <laughs> die, by the way. I don't know how to. she did it, because she and I were pregnant around this. Like, I think I was a few weeks ahead of her. And I I mean, to be fair, I was, I'm the most miserable pregnant person you'll ever meet. I vomit. <laughs> 12 times a day. Like, <laughs> I, I could not eat you really jog. You really sell it right I now. I know. I'm sorry, but I was like, imp- I was jealous of her. I was, I was legitimately like, why can't I do that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'll never forget that. Yeah. Oh, well, funny. I have to scoot and that's skip fine. I know you got to get Duty out of Duty calls. All right. Duty we calls. can end this. So. Yeah. Good Thank job, you very everybody. much for having me. Yeah. Thanks You're for so being welcome. here. It was so fun. Love Appreciate it. it. You're cool. That's how pretty much we end everything. Pretty much all we're trying to say is, you're cool. You're cool. Well, you guys are cool, too. Oh, thanks, Macy. Macy Joe, everybody. Can we put into, like, an applause after that? (laughs) I'll just edit out that you said that.
All right, everybody. Bye. 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 Hey, Gunners fam. Thanks so much for listening. If you like what you heard, go ahead and make sure you subscribe to wherever it is that you are listening. And if you have any questions that you want us to ask future guests, whether they be college students, um, current players, um, college coaches, go ahead and leave those questions in the comments and we will make sure that we ask those the next time around. Have a good one, everybody. Stay safe and healthy.